0: this again. Good evening. We're going to get into a in the place of God. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Does that remind you of any verse that happens to be in Romans? I'll narrow it down some more. Romans 8. We know that For those that love God, all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. Joseph was on a roller coaster ride. We'll get to that shortly. But before we do, we want to really put some meat on the bones here, some some color. When you think of Joseph and his different relationships, what kinds of labels can you hang on Joseph? I'll start off with the easy ones, right? He was a son. He was the son of Jacob. Second easy one. He was a brother of the other eleven. What other things was he? Well, he was a half brother. Of the he was a, thank you very much. He was a half brother of the others. Yes. I mean, Joseph and Benjamin were sons of Rachel. Yes. The other ones were sons of Leah. Or- yeah. And the, and the concubines. Okay. Yep. What other things came out in, in Joseph's life? Durban. Durban. Servant. He was a servant. Yes, he was sold off to Potter he started at the bottom of the barrel. Then what happened? What well, other labels can we give him? He was a dreamer. He was a dreamer. That's yes, what got him in trouble between that and his dad favoring him more. Somebody else, what what do we want to hang on, on Joseph? His, his jobs, his titles, what did, what did he do in his life? Prisoner. He was a prisoner, exactly right. Somebody else. He had a Midas touch. He had a touch. The Bible says this of just a few people. It says the Lord's hand was upon him. How cool would that be if when you're at the end of your life's journey, somebody says, yeah, the Lord's hand was on John Doe, and it's seen by everything that he touches. You know, I have some days like that, they're not too many. Everything I try to do just falls into place, right? And then I have days when no matter what I do, it's a bad. I call those Charmin days. You got the Midas touch, and you got the Charmin touch. Somebody else. Things that you think of for, for Joseph. He was a servant. He was a prisoner. He had the Midas touch. At the end, he was a dad, right? He had two sons. So he was a son. He was a brother. He was a dreamer. We, we're doing so, well so far. He was a slave more than a servant, right? I go to work every day, and I can choose to resign. Slaves cannot choose to to resign, he was a slave, he was a foreigner. Imagine some 17 year old goes down into Egypt and we've got the same situation around here. People come to this country, they don't speak English. There was a controversy over in the uh, Oxford I'm sorry, Oxford with the school district in dealing with the illegal aliens. And uh, one of the people that spoke up said, when I came to this country, I, did not, I only knew one language, which was Spanish. This lady said, I now speak English, French, Portuguese, Spanish, and I think she threw in German. I'm not sure. And she says, I worked every day of my life since I came in here. 17-year-old shows up as a slave, not knowing the language. And I'm thinking, if that were me, I would end up doing the janitorial jobs on the third shift, cleaning toilets or whatever, but, but he managed, he had the brightest touch. He was the head of a household. He was a prisoner. He became the prime minister, second only to Pharaoh. He was a provider. Who did he provide for? The nation of Egypt. His brothers, his sisters-in-law, his nieces and nephews. And he was a father towards the end. So, Joseph covers the gamut of lots of different ways of life, lots of different stations of life. Now, emotions faced by Joseph, good and bad. There's, there's Joseph; he's riding on the chariot, and, and he's got his own servants at this point. What kinds of emotions? We mentioned some of them already, right? We had that opening picture, and there was Joseph, and he had joy, and he had love, and there were the brothers, and they had guilt. What other emotions came out of all this? Let's start at the very beginning. There's Joseph. His dad loved Joseph. His dad gives Joseph a coat of many colors. What did the brothers think of that? Jealous. They were jealous. That's exactly right. What Do you think jealousy was new in that family? Mike gives me a no. It started right off the bat with all those moms, right? Jacob loved Rachel, but the babies were coming from Leah. And Rachel didn't like that too very much. And so she said, just like Sarah was going to help God by giving Hagar to Abram, Rachel gave her concubine and so what did, Leah, what did uh, Leah do? She returned the favor, and she gave her concubine. So imagine all this. You know, I've got, a, I've got some interesting turmoil under one roof with just one wife and everybody's full sibling. Imagine, I can't say one roof, imagine one tent, okay? Imagine one tent, and in that tent you've got four women. Don't even think about Solomon with a thousand. Four women and all these kids growing up. It's interesting when 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 I first thought about Benjamin coming to coming to Egypt, I was thinking about like the kid brother, right? Then he had a whole flock of kids that he brought with him too. Of course they started younger then. But he was he was a man. So he saw love from his father, he saw hatred from his brothers, his half brothers. There was jealousy, we talked about that. There was anger, lies resulting in agony. My first pastor would say, if the devil can talk me into telling a little white lie, he said he can talk me into propping it up with a great big black one. And so lies resulting in agony. That dad, he was 91 years old when Joseph was born, and he didn't get to see his son again until he was almost 110 And that old guy was miserable that whole time. I don't know if he kept that coat of many colors with the bloodstains and held onto it or if he buried it or what he did with it, but he lost his favorite son. We see temptation. There's Mrs. Potiphar. And what did Joseph do when Mrs. Potiphar wanted to to do something with him? Jay goes like this. More than just this, he jumped out of his jacket to go. He didn't even fight and say, let's go, I'm out of here. He just slipped out of his cloak and left. There was rape. Dinah, his sister, was raped. How did the half-brothers deal with that? Anybody? We kind of skipped over those chapters, but that's okay. How did those half-brothers deal with that? Simeon and Levi went to those folks and said, "Uh, yeah, you can marry our sister, but you all have to be circumcised first. So that man must really love that woman because he got everybody in their clan to circumcise. And when they were all in terrible pain, Simon and Levi came and killed them all. I had a daughter raped. Those that have been in church a long time here, they know that. Jacob had a daughter raped. Jacob didn't do anything about it. I will tell you, I didn't do anything about it either. But I'll tell you what my son wanted me to do. He wanted to take our armory and go down to Baltimore. Because in that process, they also stole my truck. Now that's fighting words, right? I said, John, that guy could have given that truck to somebody else and you can kill an innocent man. Or you might, you might get yourself killed. I said, I'd love to go with you, but we're not doing it. So there was a man, and the Bible doesn't say Anything about what Jacob did or didn't do, although in chapters 49 he sort of condemns Simeon and Levi. Jacob had another interesting problem, and we're going to get to some incest in a second here. This is not a kid's Bible study. There's the murder Simeon and Levi. Incest. So there's the oldest brother, Reuben. Think he could find himself a wife? I made the school that uh, Noah and his wife lived in an entire civilization of people with the, the Bible says their heart was on evil continually and yet his three sons managed to find three godly women you think Reuben could go out and find his own he takes I don't know what you would call it half mother I don't know what you would call that but he takes one of the concubines what does Jacob do So you have some passivity there that creates lots of different problems. This is a study of Joseph. but Let's think about Jacob. Anybody know what the word Jacob means? Deceiver, Deceiver, that's exactly right. And the first time he deceived was with his dad Isaac, right? Isaac thought that he was Esau, and Isaac gave him all the blessings. And you're going to see there's a phrase, goes around, comes around. We're going to see that phrase pop up as we come through here. There was incest. And there was, he became orphaned. Now, I lost my mom when she was 93. She was sound in mind and body. In fact, both my parents did me the hugest favor. They just went to sleep to be with Jesus. But I don't know, I haven't done the math, how old Joseph was when Benjamin was born. But he lost his mom in the process. I will tell you, I was a grandfather when I lost my mom, but it hurt me nonetheless. And so those are the backdrops of Joseph as he's a 17-year-old, and dad says, go check on your brothers. Does anybody happen to know how far he traveled to check on his brothers? It's a good fact to you. We'll cover it in a little bit. But he had to go 65 miles to go check on his brothers. Well, how do I know that? Because he said he left from Hebron and went to Shechem. So you got to Google and say distance from, Hebrew is from uh, Hebron to Shechem. It comes back 49 point some miles. And he goes to Shechem and he's wandering the fields. And somebody says, what are you looking for? And he says, I'm looking for my brothers. They he said, he went up to Dothan. Another 15 miles. And so some interesting things that we're going to take out of. There we go. Those clicks finally caught up, didn't they? What can we learn from the life of Joseph? If we're just going to go into some details like the distances between those cities, then we haven't accomplished anything. But if maybe we can be more sensitive to our own emotions, if we could learn something from the life of Joseph, the life life of Jacob and apply it to our own lives, then we gain something. So we need to have a change and we need to grow. What's interesting is there's more written about Joseph than Adam or Noah or Abraham or Isaac or Jacob. And there's more written about Moses than all those guys combined. Joseph in many ways is a picture of Christ. Joseph went in the pit, Jesus went in the grave. Joseph was sold for silver, it was 20 pieces. Jesus was sold for silver, 30 pieces. And we'll see those other pictures as they come out. He faced mistreatment, loneliness. Now where'd they put Joseph when they took his jacket off before they sold him off to the Midianites? Where'd they put Joseph? Now you guys know. In the pit, that's right. Now, Joseph could not get out, which makes the pit pretty deep, right? We know he can't get out because the Bible tells us that his brothers, his half-brothers, were having lunch listening to this guy begging for help. So he was mistreated. He was lonely. He was 17 years old in the prison with Potiphar's family and couldn't even speak the language. He was accused by Mrs. Potiphar. He was put in prison for that. And a lot of misunderstandings going back and forth. He had broken dreams. We started off with one of the things was the dreamer, right? He had this dream and they, he saw 11 sheeps, bundles of wheat, bowing down to the 12th. And what does he go? He goes and tells his brothers. His brothers said, We're never going to serve you. Then he has another dream where there's the sun and then the 11 stars, and his dad says, you want your dad to bow down to you? So there's a little discretion there. Maybe you just take those dreams and tuck them away and see what happens to them. So Joseph, in the book of Genesis, starts with chapter 30, verse 22. Then God remembered Rachel. What does remember mean? Take an, action. Take an action, that's exactly right. For the newbies, when God forgets something, does he actually forget something? No, he just is not taking any action. And the example I like to use is Genesis chapter 6 begins with God remembered Noah. Well, that doesn't mean God goes, oh, oh yeah, Noah, I forgot about him. No, it means that he's taking action associated with Noah. The Bible says that As far as the east is from the west, so far he has put our transgressions from us. The Bible says he remembers them no more. Well, I can remember my forgiven sins. Does that make me smarter than God? Don't burn me at the stake, come on. No, I'm not smarter than God. God remembers them no more, which means God is not taking action against those things anymore. And Chuck Swindoll defined forgive as giving up the right to remember. Remember, forget, action, not action. And there's the end of the story of Joseph. It's the last verse in chapter chapter 50. So Joseph died being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin. Joseph's God's agent. This comes from Psalm 105. Psalm 105 is a really interesting history of of Israel if you want to study it when you get home. He called down famine on the land and destroyed all their supplies of food. And he sent a man before them, Joseph, sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with shackles. His neck was put in iron till what he foretold came to pass, till the word of the Lord proved him true. The king sent and released him. The ruler of people set him free. And he made him master of his household. That's where the one thing we had the head of the household made him master of the household, ruler over all he possessed, to instruct his princes as he pleased and teach his elders wisdom. So, this is a picture of Joseph's life. It's really a roller coaster ride. Those are numbers 1 through 7. Joseph receives the cloak of many colors. And so, he's on a high. But then he gets sold to the Ishmaelites. Then he becomes the, the head of Potiphar's household. He's falsely accused and he goes to prison. He's put in charge of the prisoners. The, the, uh, wife, the cupbearer forgot about him, and then he's made second to Pharaoh. How many, before he came second only to Pharaoh, how many households did he manage? Two, he managed in the prison. We'll we'll get to that one. He managed to Potiphar's house and he managed in the prison. He managed with plenty, he managed with a meager supply. So then you turn the clock forward, and there were those seven good years and then those seven bad years. God was. Pairing Joseph by putting him as a head of household with Potiphar, head of household in the prison, so that when it went from just Potiphar's household to all of Egypt, you might as well say all of the world, the prison where they, you know, let's face it, they don't give prisoners the best of things, except in the United States, and dealing in the famine, the seven year famine. In fact, right there is the first recorded tax, 20% of all. It wasn't a graduated income tax, it was 20% of all. Okay. We said that Joseph was a dreamer. And here you have a picture of his two dreams, the other dreams that he was associated with. They weren't his dreams, they were his interpretations. start with Genesis 30, where God remembered Rachel. And then we end up in chapter 37. If you have your Bibles, you can open them to Genesis 37. If you don't have your Bibles, there's one right in front of you. Now, I have a backup Bible, so I'm not going to take one of these, but the pastor always says, if you need a Bible, just take one of these. I'm not going to take one. Genesis 37. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending his flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now, we don't know how old he was there. We know he was 17 or less because he was 17 years old when he went to check on another time. You guys, ever tattle on one of your siblings? I have a yes from Barry. Okay. What do you think those siblings felt towards you on, on that situation? Right. Yeah, they were not happy campers, were they? So Joseph kicks things off by tattling on his brother. And let's face it, his dad really set him up. What do I mean by set him up? Let's go back a generation, and there's Jacob and there's Esau, and the Bible says that Isaac loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Which one of my kids is the favorite? Each of them. Which one of my grandchildren is my favorite? Each of them. Try to treat them all the same. In fact, when it comes to gift-giving time, Jenny has this little book and she makes sure that everything is done equally. Christmas time is kind of a crazy time, you have all those, all those kids. She makes sure it's equal. Isaac and Rebecca didn't do that, and so Jacob was the result of that. You know, Rebecca loved Jacob, and so what does Jacob do in turn? He loves Joseph more than the others. The thing off balance right off the bat. So now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Is verse three. There's where you know we we talk about we're talking about the account of Joseph. There's where the thing starts right there. If Jacob took, took care of Joseph like the others, the others will get over the tattle You know I've, tatt- I've tattled on my brother and he tattled on me a thousand times, but we got over it. We were both. Loved a lot, and we're both loved equally. If my dad had a favorite, I never knew it. But Jacob started them off on the wrong foot. It's a message for dads here. Now, Israel loved Jacob, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, 91 years old. You can do the math from different passages. And he made a richly ornamented robe for him. A richly ornamented robe. And we talk about a coat of many colors. What does a Persian rug look like? Have you ever seen an Oriental rug? What does an Oriental rug look like? doesn't look like that, does it? What does it look like? It's decorated. There are designs and this portion of the pattern matches exactly this portion of the pattern and it have got things going on over here. When I think of the coat of many colors, I don't think of a bunch of stripes. There's a red one and a yellow one and an orange one, like a spectrum or whatever. We just read where it was heavily ornamented. I think more like a Persian rug. Not that I put a rug on it or anything brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word. My dad was such a charismatic, not speaking in tongues, but just a person where the Holy Spirit just beamed out of this guy. He was a funeral director. I can recall this one funeral. I may have told the story once before. I don't know. And there were two brothers that didn't speak to each other for years. They got a picture of my dad. He's probably twice as wide as I am. He played semi-professional football. And he got the one brother in a headlock. And he got the other. This is right in the middle of a, a parlor, right in the middle of the viewing. He got another brother in a headlock. And he put the two together like this. He said, don't you think it's time to bury the hatchet?
1: Now, if I did that,
0: both brothers would get together and meet me. But these guys started hugging on each other and crying on each other. And I I never did find out what was the root cause. But they were mortal enemies until that day. These brothers hated Joseph and couldn't come up with a kind word. Now, do you think somebody goes from Jealous to let's kill him like that only if you're a psycho, right? Things, things start building up and building up and building up. So somewhere along the line, Jacob loves Joseph more than the others. Joseph didn't have his mom. The Bible doesn't talk about the others exactly as to when they died. They record when they did die, but it's, it wasn't catastrophic like Rachel's. So he's an orphan, and his dad has given him some extra slack. But Benjamin was an orphan too. His mother died, died during his childbirth. You don't hear Jacob loving on Benjamin. Although he did say when they were down in Egypt, he says, I'm not sending Benjamin. I lost my one son. I might lose my other son. Well, how think the other ten felt when... Benjamin was a man. How think the other ten felt when they said, yeah, you can go down there and... Uh, Joseph will put you in prison because you're spies, but, jo- but Benjamin's not going. You think maybe Jacob's uh, partiality towards Joseph shifted and the partiality fell on Benjamin? We don't know, but it's human nature. So they could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, verse 5. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. See, this stuff is building up. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field, and suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. What did those brothers do when Joseph Stewart said, you've got, you, you've got your silver in the sack and you're going back? What did those brothers do when they came back in front of Joseph? caught red-handed, so to speak. what did they do? They fell prostrate and begged for mercy. The fulfillment of this dream. The 11 sheaves bowed down to the one. Verse 9, then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. You think he learned his lesson on the first one? He says, listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun, moon, and 11 stars were bowing down to me. Sun and the moon. You know, the two concubines weren't involved, but here's Jacob and Leah and all of the half brothers bowing down. And I guess he didn't have much discretion because he's he's digging a digging (laughs) a he's digging his own pit, right? Literally. When he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? Well, his mother was dead, but he's now talking about his, I guess, his stepmother. That's what it is. Yeah, there you go, stepmother. Verse 12. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Shechem means a place of burden. So the brothers are burdened. They can't stand their their half-brother. And there you go. The distance from Hebron to Shechem is 48.6 miles as the crow flies. He didn't have a car. He didn't have a bicycle. He didn't have a road to walk on. It was just grand. So they went to Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, as you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I am going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, Go and seek all his well with your brothers and with the flocks and bring word back to me. Keep in mind that the last time he went to check on his brothers, he tattled on them. So now here comes the instant replay. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron and when Joseph arrived at Shechem, A man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, What are you looking for? And he replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they're raising these flocks? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, Let's go to Jotham. I've got to keep myself in position here. So there's a different map that includes Egypt. Hebron to Shechem, forty eight point six miles, so I, I took fifty. Shechem to Dothan another fifteen miles, that's a total of sixty five miles. And then Dothan to Egypt two hundred and fifty miles he traveled with the with the traders. Did they put him on a camel and let him ride? No. Did they let him just walk alongside the camel the camel? No, a 17-year-old cannot not run all those other guys. He was bound. He walked first 65 miles, then thrown into a pit, dragged out of the pit, and then marched another 250 miles with his hands bound. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm walking, sometimes I need to you know, balance myself. Here's this guy walking along. Verse 16, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they're grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here. The man answered, I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. Why did they go to Dothan? Why did Abraham and Lot have to part ways? There wasn't enough grass. There wasn't enough water. How many sheep did Jacob own? You study that passage of where he cheated Laban out of those sheep. He had a lot of sheep. And if you've ever been to Israel, it's it's not grass like we've got. It's mostly just rock. And the meals are few and far between. So they had to go on to Dothan. Verse 18, but they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Again, I ask the question, What does it take to go from he tattled on thee? Dad likes him best to let's kill him. There had to be some conversation along the way. There had to be some escalation there. And I heard it said uh, that if somebody has a, I'm talking about buying something, if somebody has a good experience buying something, there's about a 30 percent chance that they'll tell somebody else. On the other hand, if somebody has a bad experience buying something, 70% will tell somebody else. What that says to me is it's easier to talk negatively than it is to talk positively. Think about your own conversations. It's it's easy to go like this. What's our job? To, to try to bring it back. Now, what we're going to read here is Ruben... The oldest wanted them not to kill him, but he wanted them to take him back to his dad. So what happens? Reuben, for whatever reason, wasn't with the guys when the Midianites show up. Don't ask me where Reuben was. And then he comes back to camp, looks down in the hole, and no Joseph. Do you think it could have been a different story if the oldest one said, now guys... None of us can stand this brat. But we're not doing this. I might have been a different the last thirteen chapters of Genesis might be a little bit differently. But no, the oldest. Who here's the oldest among siblings? Okay? How often have you heard you should know better? <laughs> yeah? Yeah, my brother took it on the chin all the time. He was the oldest. You should know better. Of course, when you who's the who's a younger sibling? I got why can't you be like your brother? <laughs> okay? So there's the dynamics there, and here we are as adults. And if you're if you still have siblings around, it's our opportunity positive. You know, I'm I'm starting to slip into dementia, and people ask me different the in the family asking questions. And you know what? I cannot remember any negative experiences. I'm sure I had some. I can remember some positive experiences. I'm I'm, I'm a blessed man. So, Jacob is coming along and they conspire to kill him. Verse 19, Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben, now the name means behold a son he was the firstborn when Rachel named Joseph she was barren remember she was barren and all these other babies are popping she says I'm gonna name him Joseph because I'm looking for another son she was looking for the next one she wanted to go into serial pregnancies The word Joseph means increase and so I've got a son his name is Andrew Joseph all the doctors said it was going to be a girl so we were not prepared for a male name Pastor Vernon came and visited us and we said you know we might have to leave the hospital with the birth certificate saying baby scrap he said why don't you name him Andrew Joseph it hit my head the name Andrew means manly, and the name Joseph means increase, and he's my sixth kid, my second son, and he became a manly increase to the family. But Joseph wasn't connected with the word Andrew, his was just increase. What happened to Joseph in Potiphar's whole household? What happened to the household? It increased. What happened to the prison when Joseph became the supervisor of the prisons? Everything got better, the things increased. What happened to Joseph when he uh, interpreted Pharaoh's dream? And Pharaoh says, we need a wise man to take care of this. They went through the seven good. And because they went through the seven good, and they saved 20% of it, increase. Okay. How are we doing? We're doing okay. Verse 22. Don't shed any blood. This is Reuben speaking. Well, I'll jump back to verse 21 because I stopped on the scene. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he replied. And I've already asked the rhetorical question what might have been different if he said something different than let's not take his life? He should have said, Get that boy out of that hole. He just walked 65 miles. Let's feed him some lunch and take care of this kid. It's a teenager. Don't shed any blood, throw him into the cistern here in the desert, and don't lay a hand on him. And then in prophecies, so to speak, Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty, there was no water in it. They sat down to eat their meal. You know, eating a meal should be a time of fellowship. It's certainly a time of nourishment because you're putting it in your body, but it's, it's a time to commune. And sometimes I, I hear people talking, you yeah, have a table set, and then right here's the television. And they're watching television while they're eating their dinner. I'm thinking there's, there's something wrong there. So not only that, but they're eating their lunch when their brother's down there shouting to get me out of here. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites come from Gilead, and their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. He's our own flesh and blood, so let's we'll just not kill him, we'll just sell him off to be a slave. So when the Midianite son of Abraham I'm sorry, when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for twenty shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took him to Egypt. It was a discount. I want to read to you from, from Exodus. If the bull gores a male or female slave, the owner must pay 30 shekels of silver to the master of the slave, and the bull must be stoned. There was a rule around 30 pieces, but these guys are second cousins. We're just going to sell him, sell him at a discount. And when Reuben returned to the cistern, so where was Reuben? These guys were eating their lunch. So Reuben wasn't eating lunch with them. These guys see the Ishmaelites. Where was Reuben that he didn't see the Ishmaelites? We don't know. We know that there was funny business with himself and the concubine, but that was 65 miles away. Maybe there was something else going on. We don't know, but Reuben wasn't there. You're the oldest. You should know better, Reuben. He went back to his brothers and said, the boy isn't there. Where can I turn him? Where can I turn now? And they got Joseph's robe slaughtered a goat, and dipped the robe in blood. And they took the ornamented robe back to their father and said, We found this. Examine it. To see whether it's your son's robe. Too many papers for my What goes around comes around. There's the picture on the left. The old guy is Isaac. The guy on his knees is Jacob. And the lady is Rebecca. Because Jacob said to mom, he said, what if he finds me out? And mom said, it's on me, you go ahead. So what did he do? He killed the fatted calf. Mom cooks up the dinner just like dad likes it. And they put the goat skins on his, that picture has it over his shoulders. But they put the goat skins over his arms. Why? To duplicate Esau's hair. To duplicate Esau's hair. And I'm not a hairy man. And so I'm not like a goat. But I can't imagine Esau's arms. So now fast forward several years. And the guy on the left, the old guy, is Jacob. And what's happening there? He's being deceived. He was the trickster on the... He was the tricker on the left on the left. a tricker on the left, and he was the tricky on the right. He goes around, comes around. On the right you see the old man there and that, that ornamental coat is being held by the brothers and the brothers are showing in the blood. See that? See that? The sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. So, there you have Joseph being either going in or coming out of the pit. And there you have the robe being shown to the dad. And then we we'll fast forward and we're going to quit right here. There's Joseph on the left. He's talking with the Potiphar's folks about uh, taking care of the household. And then there's Joseph on the right talking to Pharaoh. Lessons learned. No family is exempt from adversity. Jason, I think of the Hostetter clan. You guys are not strangers to adversity. And in your mind's eye, you can go and you can... Think of all the tragic things that have happened in your family. We each live in a fishbowl. We're each being looked at. Paul wrote, he said, you are living epistles read of all men. And for some, you might be the only Bible that a person will ever read. And Job said, as sure as sparks go upward, man is born to troubles. We're each facing adversities one time or another. So what's our job when it's the next guy's turn to be on the hot seat? All things work together for good to them that love God. No, you don't do that. that. That At that moment, that's a cliche. What do you do for the person that's hurting? It's one word. Now you can translate that into, you love on them. You love on them. Jesus said, I go away on this and a comforter to you, that word comforter is paraclete, which means to come alongside. We can loosely translate that, a friend in need is a friend indeed. So, no family is exempt from adversity. No enemy is more subtle than passivity. And I use some examples of Jacob. He was passive over the rape of his daughter. He was passive over the taking of his concubine. He was passive in not really treating all 12 the same way. Why is it that Joseph didn't go and help take care of the sheep? What kind of job did he have? We don't know. But yet he was held back. No response is more cruel and jealousy. Think of the jealousy that ran across several generations. There was Esau and Jacob. And one of the verses we first read was when the brothers saw that Jacob loved Joseph more than the others. They didn't need a coat to know that he was the favored one. They didn't need that. And Jacob and Esau, they didn't need Somebody to tell them that mom loves you and dad loves me. And jealousy is a, a natural thing. Is it a sin to be jealous? God is jealous? Bing, 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 bing. God is jealous. We serve a jealous God. What is he jealous over? He wants us. He wants us. That's exactly right. Paul wrote to the Macedonians. He said, uh, I don't desire yours. I desire you. We give of the Lord. If you've got cash, you share some cash, and some have more than others. But what we each have equally is 168 hours a week we give ourselves, rather than our possessions. That's what God really wants. He wants us. And then you come back to that notion of jealousy. There was Jacob and Esau, and they were jealous, and there comes all the other guys, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, right on down the line. They all had to deal with jealousy, and jealousy escalated to anger, and anger escalated into murder. And there's no condition more unfair than slavery. Now, in Sunday school, we talked about a slave for Jesus. And what did they do with the slave if he wanted to stick with the master? They took him and put his earlobe on the doorpost, and they took an awl, a w l, and wrapped a an, uh, nail hole through his ear. It never says they put an earring in there; just had a big old hole there. They were slaves. The Greek word is doulos. Paul called himself a slave, a doulos. James called himself a slave. Jude called himself a slave. Paul referred to Timothy as a slave, and in the book of Revelation, John is called a slave. But they could choose not to be slaves. It was a voluntary servitude for, it's getting better, I used to say, for most of my life. But now I've been saved longer than I was lost. So I'll say it this way. Good chunk of my life, I was a slave to sin. The Bible says, "And you shall know the truth, and the truth sa- shall set you free. If the Son of Man shall set you free, you shall be free indeed." It says the wages of sin is death. The Bible says, "And you who he- you hath be quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, we were followers of the prince of this world, and we were slaves to that prince." But Jesus set me free. And so there's no condition more unfair than slavery, no response more cruel than jealousy, no enemy more subtle than passivity, and no family is exempt from any of those things. Adversity. Let's close in prayer. Lord, thank you again for this day. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for these Old Testament stories that you gave to us for examples. I ask you, God, that we could each ruminate on them, apply them to our own lives, and draw each one of us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all. Have a blessed evening.